0: and we have a go for auto sequence start 7, Six. Five. 2, 1, boost to ignition and liftoff
1: Eight ten three two zero two two. I've discovered a strange, fascinating planet. It's lush with water and filled with beauty, plants that grow high like buildings, animals and insects of every conceivable form. A world rich with minerals and alloys of every type, the perfect mixture for life, industry, and technology. Strangest of all are the human beings. They're strong, intelligent, masters of utilizing all the elements of their planet. They have created expansive structures of civilization, cities that stretch for miles, they fly planes, they drive cars from here to there, and back again. They are remarkable and advanced. Except... Except it is difficult to decipher why they do what they do. They seem convinced that their purpose is found in getting more. More pleasure, more money, more stuff, more entertainment, more, well, pretty much more everything. They only seem concerned with really pretty people and really funny people and people who can sing. They seem to care a lot about whatever they can do to get more people to see them and pay attention to them. It's very odd. All humans seem bent on this. Except this peculiar group, this group of people that get together on a day they call Sunday. They gather and they hear about this person they say is God, this Jesus. And it makes them different.
0: You guys, it's me. You know what's even more funny? That voice you just heard that was really creepy? That's my voice. <laughs> Except Kathy Rowan, our program director, took it and made it sound super creepy, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that's a fun little thing, right? But here's the reason why we did it. I didn't just do it to make something fun and silly, so though we like to have fun and not take ourselves too seriously. But it brought me to this question. This question is this. As we're talking about this impact series and having an impact, the question is if someone otherworldly otherworldly came and visited this planet and began to explore and investigate, would that otherworldly person recognize us? People that attend this church here in Ripon, Wisconsin, would they recognize this as any different than the rest of the world. Would they recognize us? By the way, my name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here. And I typically do not wear a space suit on stage. So let me get this thing off. It's a little cumbersome and way too hot. But anyways, uh, as strange as as that question is, what's, what's really wild about that question is this is a question that's been answered before in the past. There's this church, this group of people that Very early on in the ministry of Jesus, and after Jesus had died and risen from the grave, there's this place, this city that the message of Jesus had gotten to. It was a city called Antioch. And Antioch was considered like a a world within a city. If you've ever been to like New York City, or if you've ever been to Chicago and seen the different neighborhoods where people from basically every nation are represented in this small little space, then you know you know what that's like, a world within a city. It's a world within the city, but in Antioch, the lines were still clear. Like if you've been to Chicago and you've walked from one neighborhood to the other, you know that there's a distinct line when you're going from one part of the city to another part of the city where you're going from one cultural group to another cultural group. And in Antioch, that was still the case. That was the case. Jew would, would not associate with Gentile. Rich person would not associate with poor person. But when Jesus' message showed up, when the message of Jesus showed up in Antioch, something strange started to happen. Something super unique, something very, very weird for the culture and the time. Suddenly, the Jesus followers in that community, in that city, started crossing those lines. They started mixing with people that weren't from their cultural background. They started spending time with people that were from a different socioeconomic background. One cultural group began to be okay with spending time with another. It was strange to the outsiders. Everybody was looking in at this group of people, and they were thinking to themselves, what is going on here? Why are you hanging out with that person and gathering on a Sunday with that person? Why would you do that? It was so strange That all the outsiders began to be confused and stretching for something to call them because they didn't fit in any of the labels they already had. They didn't have any labels. They didn't have any labels for what was going on. They didn't fit nicely into the lines that had naturally been drawn. So they did what any society would do. They gave them a nickname. And the nickname was supposed to be offensive they called them Christians. They called them Christians for the very first time in Antioch. People who followed Jesus were called Christians. What does Christian mean? Well, Christian, like the little definition is little Christ, like mini Jesus. It was an insult, but it didn't stay that way. In Acts of the Apostles, in Acts 11, 25 to 26, it talks about this. It says, Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. I love this verse because it doesn't say why Barnabas went to get Saul. just said he went and got him. Just said he went and got him. He, he, the, the verse assumes you know why and assumes you get why. And I think I get it. Because Barnabas was just so excited. He, he comes to Antioch, sees what's happening, and he's so thrilled with what is happening in this town, in this city, what's happening because of the message of Jesus. He, he runs off to get Saul, who we later know as Paul. And he's like, Paul, Saul, you've got to see this. Like, It's happening. It's really actually happening. Like the message of Jesus came there and, and they started changing the way they're living and it's amazing. People are taking notice. They're calling them Christians now. Can you believe that, Christians? And so Paul and Saul, they go back to Antioch and they spend that time there. It says this in Acts eleven twenty two that this is what happened when Barnabas showed up in Antioch. It says, when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Filled with joy. He was thrilled because this was living proof. Living proof. This thing, it's really happening. Look what happens when the message of Jesus shows up in town. They're so excited. Barnabas and Paul, they they stayed there for a year. A whole year, teaching them and counseling them and helping them be encouraged. It, It was amazing. What was amazing is there's something here. The, The only name that they could come up with for these people is Little Christ. The only thing that they had in common was they were all trying to be just a little bit more like Jesus. The entire city of people from around the world couldn't help but notice this one thing. These followers of Jesus were different. They're different. There's a principle here, and it's all over the Bible. In Ephesians, it says it this way. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. In 2 Corinthians, it says it this way. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. It says we're imitators of Jesus. Try to be like Jesus. It says we're ambassadors for Jesus. We're in this series right now called Impact. If we are to have an impact, one that is worth having, we first have to be impacted by Jesus. We must be so impacted by the message of Jesus that we begin to imitate him. Do things as he does them. We, we must become ambassadors for Jesus. And, and let's be clear, that's no small thing. If you become an ambassador for a certain country, like you go and you're an ambassador from America to the Netherlands or something like that, that's a huge honor. That's an incredible thing. Like you show up in the Netherlands and they respect you because you represent the United States of America to the Netherlands. It's a huge deal. Like You are expected to uphold the values, the the priorities of the United States of America to the Netherlands. They're your line of communication. You are the line of communication to the United States. Like all goes through you. You're an ambassador. It's a huge deal. It's not a small thing. So as you think about that, as an ambassador to another country, it's a big deal. Think about this. It's a little ironic, isn't it? Christian was a nickname, probably a derogatory one, but it became a proudly owned label because it meant you were a representative of Jesus, of Jesus' country, of Jesus' kingdom. That's a picture of how to have a lasting impact, to be that kind of a representative. An impact that matters is an impact that lasts. And if there's any kingdom on this earth that's going to last, it's the one that God sets up through us. It's an impact that looks more like what Jesus wants, more like what happened in Antioch. It's something that's recognizably different, right? A a person comes from somewhere else and, and looks in at a group of people. If they can recognize something as different in a good way, that's what we're after here. But as a a church community, what does that look like? Like, what does that actually look like? I I wish that we could read something and, and, like, look at it and say, this is what it looks like. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can. So we can do that. Um, in here, it actually tells us, it spells it out. And there's this, this set of verses. It's in Colossians chapter 3, the first 17 verses. It's a little bit longer, but we're going to go piece by piece through it. And it spells out so beautifully, so fully, what it looks like to be that kind of a kingdom. It starts out in Colossians 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. When you've been impacted by Jesus, when you've been raised to new life in him and through him, you find a new standard. Imagine with me for a moment if if Giannis, I can't say his last name well, so I'm not even going to try. If Giannis, Serena Williams, or uh, or Aaron Rodgers showed up at a high school practice, football, tennis, basketball, whatever it is, right? A high school practice. And they, like, walked onto the team. Can you imagine? (laughs) A couple things would happen immediately, right? The first thing that would happen is the team would dramatically improve because they're on it. They're just that good that they themselves can bring a whole other level of, of play to the game. But there's a second thing that would happen, too. The second thing that would happen is this. Every player around them would improve they would improve as well because they see what's possible. They see what it looks like. They have an image of what's possible in their heads. And so suddenly, the entire team not only gets better because that one player is on their team, but gets better because they're a witness to something great. Imagine if a musician, like a good musician, goes on tour with with a great band. I asked the staff who some great bands were, like they could go on on tour with. One said the Beatles, which they can't anymore, but that would be amazing, right? Beatles are pretty stinking good. Can't argue that one. Another person said Nickelback. Um, I'm not not sure if that's real or not. Another person said Rush. I think that's pretty cool. Um, Who would be a band that you'd want to go on tour with? Anybody, shout it out. The Eagles, all right. Anybody else? Nickelback? (laughs) Anybody else? What's that? Mercy Mercy Me. me. All right. So you've got some ones. I like this. I like this. Imagine this. You're a good, a good musician and you go out on tour with this band and whoever you said, they're all good enough to tour nationally and globally. Think of how much your perspective on what good is would change. You'd come back and your level of thinking of what good is and high quality and a great musicianship, it would be infinitely higher, right? So much higher because you got to be in the presence of people who are incredible at it. The point is this. When you keep your eyes fixed on heaven, you are constantly reminded of what good actually is. What healthy actually looks like you bring yourself and others closer to that C.S. Lewis said it this way he said the apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman empire the great men who built up the middle ages the english evangelicals who abolished the slave trade all left their marks on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven the degree to which Christians have been able to imagine a better world is directly linked to their having heaven in view. This has happened throughout history. The Christian impact on the world is, is astronomical. It's astronomical. Um, it's, it's so big. It's dramatically more significant than any other group on the planet in the history of the world. It's Christians who have been responsible for any progress made towards the eradication of global poverty, access to water, healthcare, food. Christian organizations have throughout history spearheaded those desires, those initiatives. Followers of Jesus hold heaven in view and because of that, they can imagine a world that looks like heaven and enact it and make it happen. In fact, it's what we're called to do, to be ambassadors for a heavenly kingdom. When we experience and live with our eyes set on heaven, it blows away what others believe is possible here on earth. It just doesn't compare. They're not in the same league. We simply live by a higher, more heavenly standard, which is why Paul continues and says, this next stuff is super important. He says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an adulterer, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when you were, your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. It doesn't matter how well you cook it, you cannot make a good meal with bad ingredients. It's just not possible. That's mold on salami if you wanted to know what it was. (laughs) A couple rotten things, they will spoil the whole dish. And that's what Paul's talking about here. You just can't have those things as part of it. But, but here's what these verses don't mean. Let's be super clear. This is, not, this is what these verses do not mean. They do not mean that as soon as you become a follower of Jesus, you can no longer make mistakes. That's not what these verses mean. It's not about perfection. It's about becoming. Becoming more and more like Jesus over time. Here's what these verses do mean. With time, as you follow Jesus and learn his ways, learn how he teaches, learn what he says is most valuable, learn what he thinks is most good in this world, as you do that, with time, you begin to recognize that these things are no longer the way to a better life. They just aren't. Being greedy, stealing, being obsessed with pleasure, worshiping money or things or or people's approval, none of these things lead to the life that God wants for you. They just don't. It's just like as easy as that. So as you begin to recognize that and see that in your life, you begin to allow yourself to follow Jesus more fully and have those things be stripped away from you. None of these things lead to the life God wants for you. We have to replace them with better ingredients, the kind that Jesus grows in us. He says this in Colossians 3.10. He says... Put on. So you can put something off, but unless you put something else on, uh, it's not good, right? you got to replace it with something. Otherwise, that hole in your life still sits there. So he says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. What does that look like? Right? Lived out. What does that look like? I say imitation is the highest form of flattery. It's also the best way to learn. How many of you have heard the the phrase, do as I say, not as I do? You heard that phrase? Yes. Yes. You're still awake. Good. Great job. Um, Do as I say, not as I do. How many of you have said it to somebody? (laughs) And how many times has it worked? (laughs) <laughs> never, right? It just doesn't work. It's not possible. You can't say do as they say, not as I do, because we are hardwired as humans to imitate, to imitate, to do what other people do, especially to do what the people do that we look up to. If we look up to somebody, we're going to imitate them like crazy. It's why apprenticeship has worked for thousands of years. And that's just it. That's just it. We're called to become like Jesus, to apprentice him, to imitate him, to become his ambassadors. That's how the Christian church in Antioch was recognized as different. It's how Christians for centuries have stood out in the best possible ways. Because they live like this. As we continue, it says, it says in verse 12 through 15, it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender heart and mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. If I'm honest with you, When I read these words and I think about someone reading them from outside of our world of believing in Jesus, that those directions are just plain weird. Strange. Like very nice for you to live in your little bubble, but in the real world, in the real world, those things they don't work, right? Who forgives people like that? Who is merciful like that and still gets the raise? What group of people chooses gentleness and humility and still are actually respected? I mean, which organizations actually value peace over profit? This is strange. This is weird. In the real world, this stuff is wild. Who would say this stuff in the real world? Almost nobody. And yet... And yet I read these words, and I don't know about you, but they just seem right. Like right. Like in a deep soul-body way, right. This is it. Like, like someone showed up from another planet with a, a space helmet on, and they'd be able to pick that group of people out that live like that and say, that, that's not like everybody else, but that. That seems right. That seems right. Like it's the right way to live. So how, as people who show up on a Sunday morning when there's a million other things you could be doing, how do we get motivated to live that way? And for that, we need to step into the final two verses that we're going to look at today. And these final two verses are a summary of the first 15 verses that we've just read of Colossians chapter 3. And these verses, these two verses, they describe first and foremost what a Sunday service should be all about. And number two, what I believe the mission of our church should be. You ready? Yeah? Nod your heads. I'm going to wait. All right, good. (laughs) All right, good deal. Here we go. Colossians 3, 16 through 17. It says this let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. First, being part of this church and, and, and showing up on a Sunday should be a practice in letting the message of Jesus and all of its richness fill every part of our lives. It should be like halftime at a football game, right? And you just went, and however the first half went, you show up in the locker room, and there's a few things that happen. You, you got to be corrected. Like, there's mistakes you're making. You got to correct those mistakes, you got to get some encouragement. you got to go back out in that field pretty soon. And then finally, you got to get motivated, right? Motivated to get back on that field and do it right. Encouraged about what you're doing right, and then motivated to get out on that field. In the words of the verse we just read, a Sunday service should be where we get filled with biblical wisdom, wisdom that provides the very best counsel for our lives, where we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankful hearts. And we do all that because... We're called to do something very specific, not just on Sundays, but all week long. And it's summarized in that one verse we just read where it says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That's it. Right there. That's it that i believe should be the mission of our church it's been a focus for the year already you've heard me say it countless times already to represent jesus well and as we've used that as our focus for this year it has blown away my expectations and hopes for what it would do for our church and how we would lead our church and, and as we've taught on it, as we've wrestled with it, as it's come out in, in just the normal casual conversations when we've been talking and you just say it because you've been wanting to do that yourselves. And, and personally, I've, I've done it as well. It's inspired so much. The, the statement to represent Jesus well, it's, it's so simple, right? It's like three words, three, four words if you want to put a two on there in front or not. It's so simple. But it embodies the biblical call to imitate Christ to be his ambassador, to be a community like Antioch was in Acts chapter 11, where a ragtag group of people as diverse as the city itself is filled with joy and thankfulness because they received the message of freedom in Jesus, and it has changed everything. It's changed everything, even the social fabric of the city made them uh, recognized as distinctly different in the best possible ways. To represent Jesus well is what we're called as Christians to do. And so today, uh, I'm announcing to you, and actually this is like a formal-ish announcement. It's a formal announcement. We do things very informal here, so this is weird for us. But I want to announce with you, with the full support of the transitional leadership team, uh, also I've had conversations with all of the leadership team who were with Mike uh, just a little bit ago, and, and they've all talked their, their excitement about this as well. And even with conversation with Pastor Mike himself, who was excited about this, that the members of RCC, if you're a member of RCC or if you become one, will vote in January to update RCC's mission statement The current mission statement is this. It's to help people take their next step in developing their relationship with God. In January, members will vote to officially update it to this, to represent Jesus well. That's the short version, and I think it's a version we can all own for ourselves. But there will also be a longer version that will help guide our church as a whole, and the extension is this, to represent Jesus well on every city street, and in every social circle in Ripon and the surrounding communities. This will give us focus and clarity and the ability to know if we're actually achieving the mission as a church, which we'll talk more about later. But a quick side note, maybe you've been here, and you've heard the next step language, and you like that. Don't worry, that's not going anywhere. Let me give you an example. It's, it's more so just the How? So if you're here this morning, like, I'm not sure about this Jesus guy. I don't know if I believe in him. I'm not sure if I want to follow him yet. Well, here's the thing. If you're wanting to represent Jesus well, your first next step is to get to know Jesus. That's your first next step. And then you can decide if you want to take more steps or not. But that is a path toward development with the ultimate mission of representing Jesus well to our families, to our communities, et cetera, et cetera. Here's why I'm so excited about updating our mission to represent Jesus well. First, it's deeply biblical. Even though it's only a few words, it's super theologically correct and super theologically leading for us in a good way. It's, it's memorable. I've heard it come out in so many conversations and I love it because I can tell it's something that you and I can attach to and be excited to do as we're living out that way. It's memorable in that way. Uh, It's transferable. A second grader can learn about who Jesus is and then decide that he wants to or she wants to represent Jesus well in their classroom. Or a a 77-year-old can do the exact same thing. It's, It's across the spectrum. It can be applied to the church at whole. It can be applied to families. You can do that as a family. You can try to represent Jesus well in the way that your family acts. It's also a discussion starter. Instead of a list of rules that are required for you to enter into this place, It's something that we can all point to as something we're all trying to get closer to. And we can all be excited about discussing how we're working toward that goal and refine each other in the process. Uh, These bracelets, we have a bunch of them in the back, these black little bracelet things. I've had this on since January. It's taken off like three times. Shower with the thing and everything, so yay. But. It has RJW and Colossians 3.17 on it. And I can't tell you how many times I've felt this on my wrist and changed what I was doing. (laughs) Or just changed what I was saying. Or whatever it is. Just because I realized that I'm actually a representative of Jesus. I'm an ambassador for his kingdom. And when people see me, that's what they see. And so thinking about that through this lens is so powerful. There are a bunch of different things with RJW on it in the back. If you want to grab one of those on your way out to take it as a reminder, feel free to do so. Uh, But you got to know this. It won't become official until January when RCC members can vote on it. And I'm going to send an email out this week with some more details so you get the full picture. But if you want to be a member and vote on it, the first step towards membership is October 23rd. There's a class right after second service or third service at that point. Um, from noon to like 2.30 or 2 o'clock. Uh, and you can learn all the things in there and you'll be with me for that. So come on, no need to sign up. Okay, that's a lot. I'm gonna bring you back with a little known fact. A little known fact. Did you know that Buzz Aldrin, the second guy to land on the moon, right? To step on the moon. Buzz Aldrin took with him to the moon a little piece of bread and a little bit of wine. And Buzz Aldrin was the first person in history to celebrate the Last Supper on the moon. Can you imagine? It's pretty wild, isn't it? Let me say this. If we own this mission as a church, as individuals, as we together begin to imagine and practice what it looks like to live out this idea of representing Jesus well, if we set our sights on heaven and being ambassadors of that kingdom of God's here on this planet, here in our normal everyday lives, our impact, our lasting impact, will never see the end of it. It will stretch from our homes, to this city, to the surrounding towns and cities, to our nation, and far beyond that, it will outlive us. My prayer is that we, as individuals, as families, as a church family, would represent Jesus well to our community, not by faking it, not by trying harder to seem more perfect, but by letting the message of Jesus fill every last corner. Of our lives. And if you want that, I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and we'll pray that together. Dear God, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you that you came to this planet, to this world, to change everything, to, to show us the right way to live, the way that we know deep in our guts is right. So God, as we live that way, as we, as we are directed towards you with our life, we ask that you'd help us to represent you well to our families, to our friends, to our communities, and that it would be this powerful thing that people look in at from the outside and say, that's different, but it's good and I can see it. Help us to live that way, God, in everything that we do. God, one one more thing this morning. I know that there are people here in this place this morning who were impacted by some really tough stuff with with what happened with the hurricane in Florida. Um, God, help us to know as a church how we can represent you well in the way that we take care of those people. Um, Help us to know how we can support those people. Uh, We ask that you would be close to them. Be, Be the person that's a comfort to them and surround them with people who can comfort them as well. Pray all these things in Jesus' name.